Hi, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of CX Cast. This is Sam Stern, joined in studio by my colleague, Jenny Wise. Hi, Jenny. Hi, everyone. And on the phone, we are really excited to have Amy Shioji, who is the head of customer experience for the USA Today Network, uh, joining us. Hi, Amy. Nice to be here. Thanks. Thanks for thanks for being here. And we'd love to have you maybe tell us a little bit about, uh, to get us started, your role and uh, where you sit in, in the larger USA Today network. Sure. Um, yeah. So I lead our customer experience practice here at the USA Today network. Um, and for those who aren't aware of what that means, the USA Today network, we have USA Today as our national brand, news brand, and then we have 109 local media properties um, across the country. So um, we support all of them around enterprise customer experience, both on from a B2C, uh, our consumers and our subscribers, as well as a B2B and our advertiser audiences. So um in terms of where this position is located, um, we actually sit within the marketing area, but I have a dotted line to um, the president of the USA Today Network, um, which has also some of the product and the strategy and the research side as well. So um, there's a lot of you know visibility and line of sight to that side of the business as well, since obviously this is a, a function that touches all parts of the business. Yeah. And that's, that's interesting. I, I, now that you say it, it makes sense, but I wasn't thinking of that, that the customers are both the readers and the advertisers. Um, so you've got sort of B2C and B2B relationships, uh, as part of what you're looking at in customer experience. So tell us a little bit about, um, your background. Uh, how did you come to be in customer experience in the first place? Sure. So um, prior to coming to the USA Today Network, I spent um, seven years at AARP, and I kind of naturally fell into customer experience at my time there. Um, While I had several roles while there, my first was leading um, AARP's largest volunteer-led social mission program, and that program supported over 8,000 volunteers and half a million participants annually. And Given that these folks were sort of, by and large, older volunteers, we had to make sure that the program operated in a way that worked and supported this pretty unique workforce. And so before I even knew it was CX um, or what that meant, you know, we were naturally kind of creating journey maps around what it was like to um, sign up and engage with our program as a volunteer as well as a participant. Um, And we also then used a lot of co-creation with our volunteers to actually develop the course material, the training material, you know, understand what it was even like to get reimbursed after teaching one of these courses. So sort of naturally the the initial program that I worked on coming into AARP was, you know, very focused on designing for, um, again, both our, the volunteers who were teaching that program and the participants and understanding what that experience was like. And I then went on to do this at more of an enterprise scale later at my time um, at AARP across a bunch of different um, business units and groups and programs. But that's initially how I got into it. Great. I feel like that's a story we often hear, right? People just realize that they're doing CX <laughs> and then <laughs> really begin to scale it up and learn more. So then when you... Think about how that translates into what you're doing now. And I like to ask this question because CX can mean a lot of things and holds a lot of different functions. And especially considering that you are you know, within marketing and then you mentioned product and research and the organization as well. Are 
are those the types of activities that you're still doing? So is it the journey mapping, co-creation, is user research included? Um, could you speak a little bit to those activities that have translated over or also new ones that you've added? Sure, yes. Um, so we definitely try to span sort of all of the disciplines within customer experience. And so, you know, part of that is our team does have um, sort of responsibility for our voice of the customer program, which is certainly a big part of our work in terms of deriving insights from, um, you know, customer feedback and actioning on that across the business. But beyond that, we also do, yes, we do lots of journey mapping where we um, do these um, journey mapping sessions involving stakeholders across the business, um, usually folks who don't have direct um, involvement with customers on a day-to-day basis based on, and we focus really on sort of key experiences or journeys or moments of truth that we need to be uncovering, or sometimes we do some future state journey mapping as well for new experiences. Um, But we do work also very closely with our product um, department, and they, we work very closely with them in terms of the co-creation process and how we then translate insights that are derived from things like voice of the customer into, you know, very specific um, both, you know, business requirements, but also then going through sort of the co-creation process with customers, validating that with customers, you know, reviewing wireframes and all those things, and then making sure that we actually have the correct measures and listening posts to make sure that once we launch whatever this feature or this product might be, or this program, um, you know, that it really um, meets the standard that we set out to for our customers. Right. So it sounds like this is a big task. Yeah. <laughs> you guys are working on a lot of things um, that go across the whole organization. How many people, or can you speak to the size of the team that's working on this? And then also, you know, has it always been that way? Sure. Yeah. So um, right now we have about 30 people um, on the customer experience and insights team. Um, So that includes um, the core team that's dedicated to the CX function. Again, that primarily are focused on things like journey mapping and enterprise prioritization of projects um, around some of the governance as well as voice of the customer. Um, Then we also have a data science and insights team. So um, this is a team that um, supports broader than just the customer experience group, but is really focused on, you know, doing uh, things like um, audience analysis, helping us understand customer cohorts. Um, They help do a lot of the regression analysis and helping us figure out things like our overall satisfaction metrics and some of those behaviors that correlate to satisfaction. Um, They do a lot of the advanced modeling and analytics and things like that. So um, we work very, very closely with that team that reports into customer experience and insights. Um, And then we also have a membership and loyalty group as well. So we do have some more traditional loyalty programs um, that are a part of a subscriber's experience with us and our brands. And so we launch and and support those um, and also sort of uh, they are in charge of all of our sort of enterprise subscriber communications. So things like onboarding, engagement programs, surprise delight, those kinds of things um, Mm -hmm. are also a part of the group that reports in here. Um, And in terms of Historically, um, I guess this team has been formed for maybe about two years now, but starting out, um, it was just myself. And um, initially, I was actually working on the loyalty program. Hmm. Um, 
and the loyalty program was designed to sort of drive engagement and ultimately impact retention. Um, but what became clear was that while that program is great at driving engagement and, and doing those things that it set out to do, we needed to make sort of material changes to the overall experience beyond just the, the loyalty program you know, around things like the delivery experience or um, how people engage with customer service, these types of things. And so mm-hmm. I went to um, our C-suite and kind of said, you know, we, we need to broaden this. This needs to be not a program, but really a discipline and a function um, and a way of thinking in terms of the organization that needs to cut across all the different groups within the business. And so um, we actually engaged Forrester to come in and actually help us assess our initial CX maturity. So we did do sort of a maturity assessment. Um, Myself and and some folks from Forrester did a lot of work around sort of interviewing and analyzing our data sources, looking at processes, and kind of coming up with a scorecard that said, here's where we fall in terms of our overall maturity, and here are sort of the gaps around some of those key customer experience competencies that we really needed to focus on. Mm -hmm. Um, And that kind of became then my roadmap to say, these are the areas that we really need to develop in. Customer listening or customer understanding was one of the big gaps, right? So that became um, a lot of the impetus for a business case that we then presented to say, we should have a voice of the customer program. And, and here's how we can sort of quantify the ROI of that through whether it's reduction in call volume or increased satisfaction and lower customer efforts, which ultimately should result in higher retention of our subscribers. So um, that's sort of what, how that all formed. And, and along with that, the resources um, to support um, this program, or I'm sorry, this, this function. Right. So that's really interesting. So then to make sure I heard this right and sort of try to break this down. Yeah. It sounds like you start as a one person team, which yeah. is not, never easy. Team of one. Yeah. And then realize that the company needed to put more behind this. So you went to the C-suite, got permission to do some type of assessment, right? Or sort of buy in to do an assessment to see, you know, before we start investing, what makes sense? Where are we? And then once you did that assessment, you were able to create a specific business case around very specific slices of CX to begin to invest in. Is that sort of right for the process? Yep, absolutely. And I think, you know, what was helpful and what I was sort of mindful of, because, you know, certainly we're at a time and in an industry where, you know, impact really matters. And so uh, what I focused on initially in the business case was to Mm -hmm. say, you know, while this may not be the the biggest impact in terms of retention and brand evangelism and loyalty in the long term, how do we focus near term on some quick wins that can really help drive down mm-hmm. um, things like customer effort and customer cost, right, cost to serve. So we focused a lot on, you know, what are some of those things that we can do um, that we know are annoyances to our customers or that we know are costing us money, you know, some of those things, you know, whether it's in the customer service world or otherwise, you know, what are those things? And so that really became the basis for how we could sort of show that this had legs and this had impact, um, you know, from, from a bottom line perspective. And then we then focused on sort of how do we continue to build out the competencies um, of this group that are focused more on sort of the longer tail of customer retention and loyalty and engagement and some of these other things that, you know, we're still working on and working towards, um, but are helping to sort of show that more um, holistic view of customer engagement and customer retention. 
that makes a lot of sense. And I, I think you're right to, to have a good audience analysis there to understand they're going to need something that's pretty immediate in terms of the business impact here. Are there uh, examples that you remember that you can share with us or that stand out to you of something that reduced effort for customers or reduced cost to serve for you that were um, things you targeted early on in, in, in your customer experience transformation? Sure. Yeah. I mean, um, so some of them were, and these were actually things that, you know, we were able to do because again, initially we didn't have the approval or the buy-in for something like voice of the customer. And even when you have that, it can take a lot of time to actually get that stood up and data sources integrated. So we needed to sort of show impact very quickly in sort of a low fidelity way. So we did a couple of things. I mean, one of them was, um, it was pretty clear that we needed to improve, um, awareness of what we offer, right? So we have uh, our news brands and our news products, but we have a lot of other features and benefits that are a part of that subscription that include things like podcasts and newsletters, a lot of events in person and online, um, our loyalty program that a lot of people were not aware of. Mm. And, and we knew that from just sort of overall surveying as well as we could tell it was not particularly easy or intuitive to find some of these things on our website. Um, so we, for example, overhauled the um, onboarding and engagement series, our email series, um, to really focus on benefit discovery and making sure that people were aware of and could engage in these things. And what we were able to track using our data science team was that by doing that, we were driving higher digital um, usage and digital engagement, which to us is sort of a leading indicator of, of retention. Oh, um, so we were great. really successful in that. We were also really successful in being able to see that we were driving you know, more people to sign up for newsletters. And we have a lot of data that shows us that um, you know, people that engage with newsletters come back to our sites more, more frequently. They spend far more time on our websites. Um, which again, engagement really correlates to us with, with subscriber retention. So those kind of things I think were easy for us to do initially. And because we had the team also that supported some of that work, you know, being able to do that um, initially was, was really easy and helpful for us. Uh, we also did things like the printed bill. The, for those who are not our you know, auto pay, um, the printed bill was not particularly intuitive um, for customers. And, yeah. and I think that was something that we just knew anecdotally from talking to reps in the call center who said we often get calls around bill confusion and bill clarity. So spent a lot of time working with the many groups to kind of get the bill revised in a very clear way, you know, and being able to see the impact of that in terms of a reduction in calls um, around that particular topic. So there were certain things that we could do from a marketing perspective fairly quickly to sort of show you know, this may not be the ultimate touch point. You know, the bill thing might not be the thing that actually ultimately gets somebody to, to potentially cancel their subscription, but it was a very tangible way to show that we could impact the business and impact operations and communications in, in a pretty quickly in a quick way. Yeah, and I love you're working both sides of the equation there, right? That you are doing that operational thing. It will reduce call center volume. It To your point, it's nobody is reading the newspaper or going, you know, listening to a USA Today Network podcast for the bill or because of the quality of the bill. But it it certainly can cost you a lot of money and it's frustrating to customers. But, but then the other side of the coin, the fact that you had all these resources like the newsletters, like the podcast that were hard to discover that they weren't taking full advantage of, I, I think that's such a nice story to be able to tell too, because it's a latent resource. If it's undiscovered, does it provide any value to the customer? And so sim simply servicing that better, making it easier for your 
subscribers to engage with more of your content is great for for the engagement and, and great for keeping them, but it's also getting more value out of stuff you're already producing and already creating. So I, I like that sort of both sides of that story, you know, better, better engagement with all the things we do, but also uh, more efficiency, uh, lower cost to serve uh, as well. So then after these early quick wins, which provided the business case, I'd imagined that there was more demand for CX help <laughs> um, and therefore more employees were needed. So I'd like to ask a few questions about how, how the team grew. Um, because when you think about the CX employee, and I know Sam thinks about this a lot in his work, there's, you know, how do you hire the right employees so that they support the customer experience vision or create the vision? Um, and then also, how do you make sure that the organization is supporting those employees and really enabling them to deliver the vision? So maybe to unpack that, we can start with sort of how the hiring started and how did the employees and the growing team help to evolve the CX vision? Sure. Um, and so I will say uh, for us, mm-hmm. um, Initially, when when we got approval to kind of accelerate this to to bolster our resources, um, we actually had some great talent um, within the marketing group um, of people that were already working on customer engagement, um, some of our loyalty program stuff that kind of got it already. Um, and so actually one of the things that was, was a benefit was that we were able to kind of leverage some existing talent that we had, mm-hmm. um, you know, and sort of grounding them in some of the, the, the CX framework certainly. Um, but, you know, I, I think that was one of the ways that we were able to kind of hit the ground running very quickly. Um, and already knew that we had folks that not only understood the culture of the USA Today network mm-hmm. and working here, but mm-hmm. sort of, fundamentally were already sort of evangelists for this type of work. Um, so in most cases, this team has come together sort of through osmosis. We've, <laughs> we've p- pulled other groups together that um, have, again, have sort of an inclination for this, like the, the data science and insights team, right. which does, as I say, support our acquisition teams, our retention teams. Um, they don't exclusively look at customer experience. Um, but, um, you know, they are a team that's really focused at, at its core at sort of customer understanding um, and audience behavior. And so it made sense for that to be a team that would come into this group. And so in a lot of cases, um, maybe unlike some others, we haven't actually gone out and necessarily recruited a lot of new candidates. But it has been how do we find um, resources that we have within the organization that we can leverage? It, in many cases, they do report it into this team. In many other cases, we just sort of work across the aisle with our folks in, in research and many of these other groups um, that still stand sort of independent of the CX function. But um, that has been our experience in terms of how we actually sort of um, cultivated uh, the, the talent that is currently on this team. Right. Yeah, that's interesting. So you've been able to pull in those adjacent groups that were natural fits. And, and to your point, I think this is such an important consideration. You know, the fact that they're already there for the most part anyway, uh, you know, assures that there's culture fits, that at least they're, they, they understand what they're stepping into. Um, and I think, you know, in many industries, but in your media in particular, there's, there are sort of, um, peculiarities to the, the, you know, the, the way you deliver value and, and sort of, you know, even just the jargon you use internally, that it's helpful to be sort of 
already um, aware of that and, and using that. So I, I, I can make that makes sense to me that that would be helpful. I'm wondering in terms of outside of, you know, your growing team here, um, who have you found have been real collaboration partners that have contributed to the progress you've made uh, in the organization? Who, what departments would you say you've worked with uh, the most closely? Sure. Um, you know, I have to say we, we've we worked with so many and really everybody has been very, very receptive. Um, product certainly comes to mind. We work with them, you know, on a daily basis. So um, we, uh, and so for us, I should define this. So product for us is our website and things like our mobile apps, right? So sort of our, our digital platform experience, if you will. Um, and so we work with them very, very um, often because on a daily basis because, um, you know, satisfaction with um, the digital experience is a really big part of um, the overall subscriber experience, both for people who have a digital-only subscription, so those who subscribe to our content digitally, but also those who have a print subscription also do frequently come to us to, to view our content online. Um, so all of our consumers, whether you're a paying subscriber or not, interface with our, you know, our desktop, our mobile web, our, our mobile apps. Um, very frequently. And so we've worked really closely with them to, you know, make sure that we are monitoring um, the, you know, the health and, and the engagement with our digital properties. Um, you know, we work closely with all the different groups within products. So, for example, um, there's a team that's dedicated to mobile apps, right? Mm -hmm. And so we have um, done a process through our voice of the customer in scraping um, reviews that people leave on our mobile apps in the iOS and Android store. So we develop custom dashboards for them, for example, where they can um, drill down and look at all this, not only in terms of overall what people are saying, but they can even look at this because they like to troubleshoot this technically to say, okay, well, if this is a bug or an issue, you know, what, what device are they on? What version of the app are they on? You know, things that I would never even right. think of that they need to sort of uncover to sort of start to um, <laughs> unpack what's going on. So we worked really, really closely in building very um, drilled down and technical dashboards, but then we also sort of have rolled up views that just sort of say, hey, you know, how many people are engaging with our sites on a monthly basis? What does overall site satisfaction look like? What are the key things that people are saying? Um, and then beyond that, as we design new features or if we need to fix something like navigation or login or the ad experience or whatever it might be, mm -hmm. um, we work very closely with them on some of that um, you know, we do journey mapping again to kind of design what that experience should be like, or at least to sort of audit what, what might be going on, um, do some co-creation with them. So from sort of end to end, we work very closely with the product group. Um, and I would say we do very similar with groups like customer service as well. Yeah, that's interesting. I, um, one of the things that we had, uh, talked about before we, we got on the line here was, was uh, as well, in addition to product and to customer service and, and some of the other groups you mentioned there, uh, collaboration with HR and, and looking at the employee experience side of things. And, I, and I'm curious about that, uh, as Jenny alluded to, that's a big focus of my research, but, um, how have you partnered with them? How have you sort of brought along not just the parts of the organization that are natural collaboration partners for you, but, but everybody else and some of whom have you, who you alluded to in the journey mapping sessions aren't necessarily interacting with any of your customers on a daily basis. How have you sort of partnered with HR to uh, create this culture, uh, you know, sort of a different point of view on, on customer experience across the organization? Yeah. And it's a, it's a great call out. Um, so we do work with HR a lot. Um, 
And I would say that's been more in sort of year two, I would say, um, mm. in our in our evolution here. Because, again, year one was really focused on sort of the brass tacks of, you know, driving operational efficiency and and costs and things like that. But certainly the, the culture part and the evangelism and making this sort of an enterprise um, discipline that everybody has a role in has been um, a very pivotal part all along, but sort of definitely a big focus area in, in the second year and beyond. So we've worked with them um, in a couple of ways. So we approached them to initially include a question in the employee engagement survey, the annual employee engagement survey, or actually now I think we've moved to sort of a quarterly pulse um, mm. reading. But we have included questions about um, – whether or not, you know, this organization delivers a great customer experience. And that oh. became sort of a baseline for getting, a, you know, a read on on how people viewed us being in a customer-centric or working or contributing to a customer-centric culture. Um, and that was the baseline for our improvement. And what we were able to do, um, also using, again, the data science team, is um, – unpacking some of those questions and sort of identifying what the drivers of employee engagement around customer experience were. And, you know, we found those to be things like, um, very similar to what, you know, is already out there, but autonomy, recognition, and empowerment. Mm. Um, So we're now looking at our processes, our training, our programs um, to see how we can improve on these things for employees. And what does that mean or how does that translate for different roles? So if it's, you know, certain groups in customer service, one thing we we discovered early on was that when people want to go above and beyond for a customer to right some sort of wrong, um, you know, there are... um, monetary caps in terms of, of credits or incentives that they can give. And so are there ways that we can look at that policy to make exceptions or if we're, you know, can we run it in a certain one of our properties or our brands to sort of say, hey, you know, we can trust our employees to do this and, and only provide these exceptions when we need to. And we can look at that, you know, before we scale it out to make sure that, you know, we're not giving away the farm, but instead we're, you know, we're empowering customer employees who not only are then going to hopefully be, you know, more engaged overall, which I think would improve, you know, the, um, the transactions that they have in the call center, um, but also hopefully improve the subscriber satisfaction as well. So we're looking at um, sort of how we um, unpack those things and figure out how we can um, do more in those areas around those key drivers of employee engagement around customer experience. Love that. Also, yeah. you, you can't see us because you're on the phone, but we are just nodding our heads here. <laughs> like, yeah. yes, that's so right. These yeah. are the right, the right uh, incentives, the right goals, the right ways to empower. That's really interesting. Yes, yeah, so it was it was autonomy, recognition, and empowerment were the three big drivers. Were those? Is that what you said? Just to make sure I that's have that right. right. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So we're also you know working with HR on what is recognition. We do have you know each group, so department, whether it's marketing, product, uh, many groups have formal recognition programs. And I would say sort of like walk in the customer's shoes or some of these are some of those attributes that are um, recognized in these programs, but we want to sort of elevate that a bit. Mm. So we're sort of figuring out, is there some sort of more of an enterprise view of, of our recognition programs um, that we can start to elevate um, going forward? So that's definitely an area. And, and I think the other area beyond the employee engagement survey work um, that we've been really um, help. It's been great to see, and we've had a great partnership on this. Is we are now um, also embedded within our new hire orientation. So um. 
when we have the new hire orientations, we go over sort of a CX 101. So, you know, at, at a very base level, what is customer experience? Have people kind of describe what they think that means to them? Um, we go through sort of who our customers are, because again, these could be employees from all parts of the business. So we will talk about not only subscribers, but our advertisers, our partners, our suppliers. Um, and then we um, go through what our customer promise is, which was um, developed with employees and co-created with our actual consumers. Mm. Uh, but we go through what that is and the ways in which we sort of ask them to, to um, brainstorm the ways in which they feel like they, them themselves or their department would contribute to the promise in their daily roles. So that's been a really great um, amount of exposure that we've had at a very pivotal point with employees very early on to kind of make sure that everybody understands that they have a role. This isn't just one department's focus or it's not just a credo that lives up on a wall, but that, you know, everybody has a role in, in the translation of this. And I love you, you touched on it, um, in twice in two different ways, but that translation to what it means to different roles and different departments, um, I think is so critical so that, you know, someone who isn't customer facing can understand that this still applies to them and applies to work that they actually would agree that is, is work that they should be doing, right? They're not at being asked to get on the phones or being asked to do a version of, uh, of a finance job that, that is recognizing how this impacts the customer, the way they, you know, the way they, the, the information they put in the bill, let's say, um, or a legal department role, right? So I, I think that's really important work to do it. And, and glad to hear that you, you called that out uh, specifically um, in, in sharing what you're doing with the rest of the organization. Well, Amy, thank you for sharing all of that with us. And I feel like we have so much more to cover with you. So listeners, we're going to have a second uh, episode with Amy to talk more about, in particular, how they're measuring the customer experience at USA Today, which, which metrics they're using, uh, platforms, and then how they're using the feedback, the insights they're gaining from that to make changes to products and features and services. So listeners, we'll talk to you all again next week. And Amy, thank you for joining us again on CXCast. Bye for now. If you have feedback or questions about this week's episode, please email us at CXCast, one word, at Forrester.com. And remember, your customer's perceptions is your customer experience reality.